Hello there, my friend. Welcome. The pandemic, a Pandora's box of things which have sprung up on us in our culture and a spirit of prophecy. See what I did there with those three P words? Well, Steve Witt is with us today in part two of a conversation. Can I call it pregnant? It's loaded. And he's focusing on the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. The idea is that you focus on Jesus talk him up and the future shows up in all of life's domains, in cities, in provinces, in states, and in nations. This is Brian Del Turco. Welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for connecting with me on Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode 144. Steve Witt is a senior leader of Bethel Cleveland. He partners in ministry with his wife, Cindy, and his passion, their passion together, is to see believers come into their God-given potential. It has motivated them to plant churches in the United States and Canada. You can read all about their ministry at BethelCleveland.com. He's a strategic builder with a prophetic gift, and his desire is to encourage people to hear God's voice, and it's led him to write a couple of books, Voices, Understanding and Responding to the Language of Heaven, and his most recent book just out, Your Prophetic Life Map, A Guide to a God-Crafted Life. You can also explore his site, stevewitt.com, W-I-T-T, a site designed to equip individuals in their identity, their destiny, and their legacy, stevewitt.com. In part one of our conversation, Steve talked about a Kairos season of pruning and refreshing. It's a season of reset that we're currently in across the nation and really throughout the world. The Lord is looking for increased fruitfulness. He also began to talk about Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio, a city in the American Midwest. And today he's going to talk about the state of Ohio and more, looking at Cleveland and Ohio through a prophetic lens, looking back, looking forward. And this will encourage you to seek God for your own city, your own region, in your own nation, I believe. He believes that there are deeper difficulties between now and the end of this year, 2020, and that things will begin to clear and will begin to find some relief in January of 2021. He encourages us in that things come in couplets. Whenever there's a crisis, the plow goes into the ground and turns it over and begins to open our hearts so that new seed can be planted to create new seasons of harvest. What should our approach be between now and the election? And he really advocates for cultivating an abiding presence that brings the yoke of oppression and bondage. Psalms 91 speaks of this, of course. And Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount. Going to our inner room, closing the door, we find the Father in the secret place. And it says there that our Father who sees us in secret will reward us openly. I believe with influence, with partnership in his unfolding story in the public arena. It's just an exciting dynamic, our walk with Jesus. Well, here's my conversation, part two, with Pastor Steve Witt. There's this quake on the lake. Did something in the spirit 30 some years ago that I don't understand. It was necessary during Halloween week, and I believe it broke something over the city. And since then, the city is steadily turning. And I believe that actually uh, now we're in one of the best positions we've been in a long time uh, in many ways. But a touch of the spirit of God is coming to the city. And I believe it's soon. That is awesome. What do you think are maybe several key things that the Northeast Ohio Church should be focusing on to facilitate that? Yeah, I mean, right now, uh, number one, we need to learn how to win souls again. We need to become fluent at it. 
And I'm in a prototyping myself right now, learning how to do this thing of introducing people to Jesus Christ and getting them into the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Number two is we need, these are, by the way, things we are not doing well right now. Okay. And they're, and they're core issues of the church. Number one is winning souls. Number two is discipling people. Not just like hand them a little book and say, you know, I hope, I hope to see in heaven kind of a deal. But actually disciple people into the depths of the Spirit of God and understanding the will and purpose of God. And number three is to bring transformation into a city. And I believe that God has called us here to transform this city. And just like, uh, uh, who was it, uh, Jeremiah, who, who said, pray for your, your city. Now, he was in a corrupt environment, a corrupt government. But he said, pray for the city because the peace of your city will be your peace. That's, that's right. And so the peace that comes upon the people in Cleveland, we've had a psychological problem for over 50 years mm. as a city. I don't understand what the core of it was. It was in the mid-50s. Well, that'd be almost 70 years. Uh, something shifted in the city, and we had deep insecurity. And we used to be a major city, like the ninth major city in the United States in the 50s. And now we're, I think, 27 or something like that. Uh, we've lost just hordes of people over time. And so the Lord wants to restore the streets to dwell in. And so he has been slowly rebuilding this city, but the soul is going to be transformed. Like he's, he's spending 50 years to rebuild the wineskin, but his wine is going to flow and hundreds of thousands are going to be swept in the kingdom of God. And we've been told prophetically that people will come into Ohio and say, what church do I need to go to to feel the presence of God? Said they'll come from all over the world and they'll say, what church do I need to go to to feel the presence of God? And the answer will be, it doesn't matter. Mm, wow. They're all being touched by the power of God. Yeah. That's the kind of revival we're looking yeah. for. And if, you know, if you're listening, like even internationally, Ohio, the state of Ohio, we have 50 states in the United States. And then this is in the Midwest portion of the country. Cleveland used to be, right, a city of... Um, quite affluent and in innovation and wealth and yeah john d rockefeller the wealthiest man in history lived here and then you're mentioning this deep psychological turn maybe beginning in the 1950s and what about ohio pastor steve is is there anything that you um are believing for just related to the state itself yeah ohio has so much i'll say i could talk all day about it but i'll give you a few little things ohio is an indian word native american word Iroquois, actually, uh, meaning something great. That's what it means. And our state motto is the only motto in the United States that is a scripture. They've been fighting to get it out, and they can't get it out. There's four uh, states in the United States that has God in their motto, but ours is the only one with the scripture, and it says, with God, yeah. all things are possible. That's right. So out of this state, you know, we get, uh, oh, she what was her, what was her name? Uh, Elizabeth, uh, oh, down in Cincinnati. She's the one that wrote the book. Oh, yeah, uh, the slavery. Uncle, um, Tom's, Uncle yeah. Tom's Cabin. Uncle Tom's Cabin, yes. Yeah, she, she wrote that. She was a daughter of a minister, wrote that book. And uh, when Lincoln met her, he said, so you're the little lady that started the big war. Right. So she was in Cincinnati, Ohio. There's something about Ohio. Thomas Edison was from Ohio. Right spent time doing his experiments and everything, you see a creativity in the state. And there's a triangle right in the middle of Ohio between uh, just a little bit like Zanesville area over to Dayton, 
up to uh, around Troy, Ohio, this triangle down there, where three key people were born and raised in that area. The first one were the Wright brothers. They were born there. They were first to fly, right. fly an airplane. Right. The second was John Glenn. Hmm. He was the first one to orbit the planet. Right. And the third was Neil Armstrong, first one to walk on the moon. So when I look at that, I see prophetic parables hmm. that, that in Ohio, there's something in the very core of Ohio. We're the heart of it all. We're, we're a state that determines presidents. And so in this state, there's something of the spirit deep in the DNA of the state to transform a nation and to, and to lift people to new heights beyond anything that they've ever imagined before. So that is on our state. Johnny Appleseed spent time in this state, and he would go up and down the river, and he would carry small apple saplings, apple seeds. That's why they call him Johnny Appleseed. And he, he, people would yell out, Johnny! Where are you going? Because he'd paddle fast where he was going. He said, the settlers are coming, and I must get ready for them. And so Ohio was kind of the Wild West back then, but Johnny knew that he was a, he was a follower of Jesus, had a few strange beliefs, but he was still a follower of Jesus. And he, he went and he planted orchards all over the state of Ohio. And when the, Ohio, when the uh, settlers came into Ohio yeah. to claim land, they found food. When they were starving in the wintertime, they found that food had come forth in the summer and the fall, and they harvested these trees that were already planted 18 years prior to them showing up. So, you know, in this state, there's something of a creative, innovative spirit. Hmm. And so I'm digging for that. I'm, hmm. I'm asking the Lord for not, not just things to change my life. I want things to change nations. To change. I'm, I'm 63, but I'm not, I'm not giving up. I want to change nations. I want to change nations in the world. I want innovative ideas. I want creative solutions for conundrums that cannot be uh, solved. I, and I want an army of people standing side by side with me, all from Cleveland, Come all on. from Ohio, saying, we're a generation that's going to change the world. That's a little riff right there you were on right there. That's a, that's a, that's a good riff. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. That's a good one. I'll probably extract that part and put that out there in some kind of audiogram or something, man. That's, that's a great riff right there. Interestingly, I've been I've been studying lately about American DNA, so to speak, and yeah. um, the Northwest Ordinance, which at the time Ohio was not a state, but it was called the Northwest Territory. Which, right. which would eventually include Ohio and I think four other states like Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, and uh, maybe Illinois. I'm not sure. Uh, George Washington himself said over the Northwest Territory that the kingdom of God, he spoke of the kingdom of God uh, emphasized in, in the Northwest Territory, which, yes. which, which I found very interesting. And of course, in 1803, Ohio became an official state. Don't forget about Charles Finney, right? Finney came from New York. Well, I told you I could take a day to talk about Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Oberlin and... Um, yeah, the... you got... Well, A.W. Tozer was buried in Akron. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah, we got Rex Sunbard that came out of uh, Akron also and uh, was the first person in history, they believe, that won a million people to really? the Lord Jesus Christ. Rex Humbard. So, there's a big thing in Akron, the Cathedral of Tomorrow from the 1960s. Uh, he was a prototype of things that come in spiritually out of this state. So, uh, yeah, we're pretty we're pretty excited about being Ohioans. We can really pray into the DNA of Ohio specifically as well. 
Now, you've recently said that you feel that the balance of this year, 2020, is, is going to be very difficult in America and that you felt, you know, with the whole corona thing, we've been having rioting and, of course, the whole racial issues have surfaced again and uh, economic issues related to all of that. And then you felt there would be some relief beginning to show in January. You've talked about the plow going into the ground and beginning to like, the, you know, these crises, I think you likened it unto a plow. Yes. Turning over the soil and preparing hearts so that new seed can come in. This, this pandemic is definitely a plow. Yeah. That you know, plow turns over the soil, it, uh, it breaks the ground, turns over the soil so that you can sow deeply into the ground for the future. And I think, I think we, are, we are in a season where the harvest, the, the, the plow is going to be overtaken by the reaper. As it says in the Bible, there's, there's going to be both a planting and a harvest at the same time because it's so bountiful. And this is a time to plant seeds. We're finding that I call it the, I've been calling it the COVID effect. But every time someone tells me anything oh. negative, I go, that's the COVID effect. <laughs> okay. COVID. okay. But, but at the, the pandemic has caused everyone to think. I mean, we, we lost six key staff members because of the pandemic. Not because they got sick, because they heard from God. They were, they were sitting at home alone. We're hearing from God saying, yeah, I need to plant a church. I need to be sent forth. So that's not so great for us, but it's great for them. And I'm, I'm hearing of people that feel like their house is too small, their house is too big. Come on. I'm hearing people saying, I don't want this job anymore. I'm going to start a whole new career. I mean, there's divorces, there's marriages, there's babies that are going to be born. We're going to have a huge baby boom out of this. Yeah. But there's what's happening is, is that people are coming to the, to the, uh, the bare bones of their soul, and they're realizing that they're, they're dissatisfied. I got to do something. Now, some people are making bad choices during this time. But there's going to be a whole lot of people. I believe there's a ton of innovation mm. that's going to come out of this moment. There's a lot of money to be made mm. out of this moment. Uh, right. Even with the stock market, I believe there's going to be a lot of money made. And so uh, people are, uh, but we're going to have a season here from now till the election. That's like 90 days from now. This this is going to be, it's going to be the uh, uh, Pandora's box. I mean, it's just the, it's going to be the feeling of, of hell breaking loose. And Forget pandemic. We're in the Pandora, right? I mean, what's the, that's right. Yeah, man. <laughs> the, the Pandora pandemic. We're, My it's, Lord. It's, a, it's a release. There's a demonic fight, going, a spiritual fight going on right now for it this is. election. Yeah. Oh my. This election is very important. All elections are important, but this one is specifically important. It represents two. forget the guys that are involved. I mean, it's almost like the, the people running are, Irrelevant. Or somewhat irrelevant. Yeah. This is a battle. Uh, it's almost like they're puppets for different ideologies. Mm -hmm. This is a battle for two major ideologies. And I believe uh, the battle is going to cease after the election. I can almost tell you by, you know, November 3rd is going to be a, a, a busy night. And I'm, re I'm really, I'm really, I've been feeling this for a while that the balloting, the counting, there's going to be, it's going to be some huge problem with all that. It's going to cause crisis, and we need we need to pray right now. I think this can be averted if my people, which are called by my name, you know, I, I believe that if that happens, that we're going to see this thing averted. But uh, but if not, it, it, we're we're in for some difficult times, and I think uh, uh, it could be 
I think many things will level out after the election. But depending on who wins, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna turn in one of two directions. We're either gonna turn in, and I use this not in political terms, but we're gonna turn right or we're gonna turn left. And we've got to decide where do we want America to be. You say, well, I don't know that Trump has the ability to do that, or Biden has the ability to do that. It's not them. It is the ideological spirit behind it that's going to turn this thing. It is a spiritual battle. We're all arguing about Trump and Biden. You know, Trump, <laughs> Trump mouths off too much. Biden doesn't know where he is. We have all these things, you know, that we're talking about. But it has, in one sense, it has nothing to do with that. This is an epic spiritual battle that we need to pray about or we're going to be on the bad end of this thing a year down the road. So I'm just praying and telling everyone, look, pray, pray that God wins. You know, it's not about a, not about a donkey or an elephant. It's about a lamb, lamb. (laughs) the lamb of God in the middle. And we're believing (laughs) that that the lamb is going to win. That kingdom, that, 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 that kingdom political party, the lamb, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, transcends all the others. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's these character these these characters these caricatures. It's almost like a cartoon, a very, I know it is. A, a very serious cartoon that we're in. I, yes. I, I I I when I'm feeling hopeful, I want to just feel like God is just laughing behind the scenes at this at this cartoon. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's, now, there have been some historians, I, w- I want to track this down. I don't have any good sources to track this back to, like some kind of consultants or historians who have talked about four great crucibles uh, that show up about every 70 years. I don't know if they say this in every nation or if they're saying it's specific to American history, but the first one being the Revolutionary War era. Yes. And then the Civil War. War. And then like the Depression and World War II era. Would, would, would be the third, and they feel that we're in the fourth now. And maybe, wow. And maybe we have been in it for some time. Maybe, I don't know, maybe since 9-11 or, you know, moving forward. I don't I don't know, but... We're definitely in a time... I mean, this, this time we're in right now is unprecedented because it's global. There's, there's never been anything, really, in our lifetimes, and maybe not in history, that you could call global. You know, where everybody in the world is experiencing similar pain, similar challenges, similar difficulties. This is an end time type scenario. And so, yeah, World War II was was hard. It, World War II kind of wasn't the whole world, though. You know, it really had the Japanese and the German side of it. Yeah. Of course, there was effects in Africa and South America and so forth. But, I mean, it's legitimately a world war and there were a lot of people fighting it. But that was probably the last time we experienced something where we feel like we are in something together yeah, uh, worldwide that we can all relate with. And there is a unifying effect with that. I mean, people are wearing masks in all over the world right now, you know, and people are, have friends that are dying all over the world. So this is an epic time. And in the midst of it, we have this election that is for us in America is going to determine a lot. And honestly, the world follows America in so many ways with technology, business, uh, you know, there's a reason why the keyboards around the world are all English keyboards. It's because, uh, you know, they do have obviously uh, ways to get around that. But uh, the computer, the internet made the world English speaking, really. Yeah. And so no matter where you go in the world, they may speak Japanese, but they speak English second. Mm-hmm. Or they speak uh, whatever an African language might be to English second. 
So it is it has become a worldwide language. And so the, what happens in the United States, at least in this point in history, and by the way, I want to tell you, Brian, there's no guarantee that this empire called America can't fall. And many people throughout history have thought, you know, that they were in a, like Roman Empire was a, arguably a thousand years. And when it, it fell during the life of St. Augustine, he was, uh, I think he was in his 40s, I forget. When it fell, he was so dis- desperate from it. He, he just, he wept, he cried, he was broken because he loved the Roman life. He loved Roman citizenship. He loved all things that were Roman and the order and everything else, even though it was a lot of bad things, obviously, for their time. Mm-hmm. They were very excited about it. It was the superpower of the world. And, mm-hmm. But when it fell, and it fell like in a, it fell in a day, but it took it hundreds of years to really fully dissipate. He, he was so despairing, he wrote... He wrote the the city of God. Is that when he wrote he, that? Yeah, yeah. And he wrote he wrote all these volumes, what would be well over a thousand pages today, and he wrote these volumes to speak of the city of man and the city of God, and Rome would be the city of man. The city of God was his kingdom. Right. Now that God's kingdom transcends and yeah. supersedes, how does it affect the city of man? So you know, in America, there is a little bit. I say this cautiously because I, I'm a patriot myself, but there's a little bit of uh, idolatry connected to America. Oh, among, can be, Christians. Sure. among Christians. Among Christians, yeah. Yeah, I'm dealing yeah. with this right now. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to navigate the water. I'm, I'm, I'm creating something. Maybe I can tell you about it sometime, but it, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to navigate the waters between like a Christian nationalism, which is idolatrous, you know, and, and then yeah. even, even, even in, within believers, there's on, on, the, on the polar opposite of that, there's this idea that... that um, nations are not even God's idea, that, that it's well, only well, the king. About it, though. Jesus, what did Jesus say about the government over his life? He said, you mean his render to Caesar statement? Uh, yeah, that, but, and, and he continuously uh, kind of honored, and even through the Pauline epistles, you know, we're told to honor government authorities, and, yeah. but he never, he never really spoke against uh, slavery of which he he was kind of one. I mean, they were they were an occupied country. He never spoke against the governments typically on, on a given day. He's more concerned about the religious governments than he was the yeah. the natural governments. It was almost like in his mind uh, they didn't matter as much. Like you, you I think so. You, you be the life of Jesus wherever you yeah. are. Yeah. And, not, not you know, live as a with a government inside of you rather than the government outside of you. Yeah. Not that we don't appreciate the government that's here in America. We want to take care of it by voting. We definitely need to vote. We want to take care of that, but uh, it's it's really not a big deal. Mostly, you know, Jews throughout their six thousand year history, big portion of their history has been as slaves. <laughs> they were. So, dispersed right yeah yeah they've been one of the most enslaved people groups in world history they had no nation you know? yeah and yet no matter where they go they pop up as number one in almost every category <laughs> yeah. how much more the kingdom it should be right exactly I mean, they're I great mean, examples they're great exemplars ex- of the yeah. kingdom. I mean, yeah. they rule they rule in every sector of american society it's funny i was i studied this some years ago they they rule in everywhere you know, business, Wall Street, the whole deal, motion pictures, they're, they're right at the top. And, and they said there's only one category. This is a secular article I read. 
only one category they didn't rule in. There's not a lot of strong Jewish athletes. And then it dawned on me, it's like, no, they own the teams. They own the teams. So it's just, and the Jews cannot be held down. And I know that's a little bit of stereotyping there, but it's kind of authentic. No, it, 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 there, there's, there's something on it. There, there really is. You put a Jewish person in a room with 50 people and give them a few days and they're leading the room. I don't know what they're doing, but they're <laughs> such, such it should be for believers. And, and it's funny, God, God really values in, in the Bible. He values the second position. Second. You don't see a lot of believers in the primary roles of ruling. That's interesting. But you see a ton of them, like Nehemiah, Esther, so forth, Moses. Daniel. They're all in second tier, Joseph. Yeah. They're all in kind of second tier leadership so they can influence the government. Yes, that is interesting. Second tier, second person. Yeah, because, because Christians, something about Christians, when they become the top person, they demand that everyone do what they do. Like uh, like Constantine did. Yes. It didn't end, yeah. it didn't end very well. Charlemagne, and so it's right? almost like yeah. purposely God leaves them in a secondary, very vulnerable role so that they can influence rather than dominate. It's the real kingdom. That's right. <laughs> really? That's right. Like that's how you inside that's how you're ruled. Yeah. You're ruled yeah. by influence, not by domination. I think Dallas Willard talks about the society of Jesus, you know, within the larger society. But yes. it's re- it's that's where the real authority is, the ecclesia, the church. Yeah. No matter where you work, like if you're if you're low on the so-called totem pole, you can have authority in that place. Whether you ever become the president of the organization or not, you can influence it. You can have favor. I mean, look what happened to Joseph and how he excelled everywhere he went. In prison, he excelled. They put him in the second in command of the prison, yeah, you know, yeah. and then he gets this uh, dream and it plucks him out of prison into the palace and he gets put in the second command of the country. I mean, this is just crazy, you know, but it's, it's a picture of what God wants to do in believers today through his kingdom. It is. And I've been praying recently about a couple of situations, you know, like with our daughters and, and our family and stuff like that, whether it's a place of employment or a business or something that God would drop his kingdom plumb line Yes. Right in the midst of it, and that everything would come into alignment, you know, would snap to design and come into alignment with that kingdom plumb line. And you know what? I can, you know, it works. <laughs> I've seen it oh, work. Yeah, it does. I've seen changes happen and shifts happen and remarkable things open up. And um, we, we, can, we can do that from within. I love that. Well, line, alignment is very important. And, and, uh, you know, when God is yes. about to do something or you're in a difficult time, at the very, I, I this thing that I call uh, rituals, you know, spirituals, spirituals. Okay, yeah. You know, when you take spiritual things and create ritual out of it, I'm, I'm a pro-ritual person. So, you know, Jesus was too. He said, when you pray, say. Our Father, which art in heaven, that's mm. what that's why we pray it all the time. Yeah. So there are certain spirit rituals like communion and things like that. When you lean yourself into spirituals, you align yourself with the purposes of God. Mm. You're in alignment with God. You get direct flow from the heaven into your heart. Mm-hmm. So, so there's something about aligning your spirit. Even during this uh, pandemic, I've seen it as an opportunity for alignment. So alignment. I, yes, I. Uh, 
you know, I do, I do a certain routine every day. I get up around six, five fifty, six o'clock, somewhere around there. I, I, uh, exercise 40 minutes. I, uh, I exercise in a word for about 30 to 40 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, studying the word. I've got a daily Bible reading that I go through. I wait in the presence of the Lord. I mean, I have a daily ritual that I'm aligning myself in order. If I really believe that what God has said over my life, then I'm going to do things to take care of my physical body. I'm going to do things to take care of my soul. And I'm going to do things to reach out to other people. So that's me like Cornelius who we still do not know if he was a Jesus follower, but he was a God-fearing man. And the, and the Bible says because he gave money to the poor and prayed yeah. that, it, that it came up before God as a memorial before God. Like, how does that work? In a grace period where one thinks, well, you know, God loves me equally like everyone else. Of course he does. Well, But just like our children, we, we love them and we accept them, but we don't always approve of some of them. <laughs> and so the, the, that's why the Bible says that we please that we seek pleasing the Lord because we want His approval. I do have His acceptance in Jesus Christ and His shed blood, but I desire His approval because I'm a good son. So, are you saying that the that the approval brings like a um, a heightened um, currency and and blessing and and uh, breakthrough? Well, I think so, and I, I think I can prove it because. Even in the 12 disciples, I mean, who was closest to Jesus? Yeah, John. John. Why was he closest to Jesus? What did he do? The Bible says he leaned his head yeah. upon the chest of Jesus. And did you know he get, he was given the grace out of all those disciples, out of the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, to be the only, only one at the cross when Jesus died? Yeah. And Jesus had such confidence in him, he said, take care of my mother. Right. You know, he, he immediately coupled them together, you know. And uh, and then later on, when he was in, over 90 years old, the Lord gives him one of the most powerful revelations in human history, the book we call Revelation. He was the one who did not suffer from a martyr's death. He died of natural causes and lived to be an old age. So you look at that and you go, I want my head on Jesus' breast. Because when you're close to Jesus, when your head's on his breast, that means you hear his heartbeat. Mm. Yeah, intimacy. But I want to hear the heartbeat of God. You hear the heartbeat of God, you're in alignment. And and the revelation that comes to you. So I, I was, always had this view that uh, relationship brings revelation. Revelation brings relationship. It's a cycle that continues. I want to go down that cycle where because he loved David, the disciples even called him John. They called John the disciple Jesus loved. Yeah, he had a, he had a nickname, a reputation. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you like that, that reputation? The disciple Jesus loved. It's like, oh my, here's John again. You know. Now you've talked about this recently, like Psalm 91 and abiding, abiding yes. in the presence of the Lord. And you, you have said that abiding breaks the yoke. And I think you said that Maybe you could comment on this. We can come out of that secret place. Jesus said, you know, go into the secret place, shut the door. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And that we can then go into the public place carrying that abiding presence, right? Yeah, well, that... Into the marketplace of ideas and business and so forth. Isn't that the reward? I mean, think about Matthew 6, 6, what you just quoted. What is that? What is that? Think about that scripture, man. When you pray... Go into your room. When you shut the door, 
pray to the Father. In fact, he gives you like the place to go, how to do it, the the incremental approach. And he says, "Who you pray to your Father who is in the secret place. He's there. So that's where he is. <laughs> and it says, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So my question is this, what is the reward? I I would like to say it's influence, you know. I don't want to think of it yes. just selfishly. I want to say it's 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 making an impact, influence. Well, I, I what well, I and I agree with that. You know what I think it is? I, I think it's the reward is the secret place. In other words, you not only do you not only dwell in the secret place, you become an abode of the secret place. So you carry so it. You carry the secret place the with public. You. Yeah. That is a reward. And so you get promotion, you get favor, you get blessing because you came out of a secret place and what the Father sees in secret, he rewards openly. And it's inferred in Psalm 91, the famous verse, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty is God. And so the abiding is a little different than the dwelling. And I've studied this in the Hebrew and some people aren't too sure about it, but my, my theory on this is, is that if you dwell, you will abide. In other words, if you dwell, if you take time in the secret place, you become an abode for the presence of God. Under You are under the shadow of the Almighty. And I, I think I you probably heard me share the dream I had in 2018 where a rabbi was showing me, it was, it was this was a dream, there was a rabbi who was taking me and showing me these different places around the Middle East that were invisible to the natural eye. And he called them flaps. That's what he called them. And so this (laughs) is a dream. And so he would reach out and pull open an invisible flap, like a, almost like a tent flap. He'd open it up. We'd walk into this invisible place that could be at Costco's, you know, and you walk in there and it was shelves all over the place. And he said, this is where the Jews historically have hidden their treasures, you know, and I looked up, as you would do, as you walk into a new room, you look around the room, I looked up, and the ceiling was all feathers. And I knew in a moment that I was under the shadow of the Almighty, and that I was in the secret place. And the secret place was everywhere, all over the world, anywhere you are, it was a flap that could be opened up, and you could go into the secret place. It was only a couple of weeks ago, I, I wondered, because when I was in there, I wondered why the shelves were empty. And I realized that that people have not treasured it. They've not treasured the secret place. But as we begin to treasure the secret place, what he, did, what he sees in secret, he will reward openly. Mm. And so now I'm finding, honestly, I'm finding, and I say this a little bit tongue in cheek, but I'm finding, I'm finding flaps everywhere. Good. Uh, you know, oh. I was with this guy. I was downtown the other day, <laughs> same day that I met the Romanian guy. I uh, go into this restaurant and this uh, host, this guy was showing me to the table and I felt, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but I felt that he was uh, ready for harvest. He was, I could feel it emotionally. I got emotional. I didn't know this guy, but I felt immediately bond to him. He's a young guy, like 26, 27 years old. And I said, I said, uh, hey, are you a Jesus follower? And he said, no, I'm not. And I said, uh, because I can see stuff on you. And he goes, you see things? I said, yeah, I can see some stuff on you. And I started talking to him. And I said, uh, that I said, you're not only called to follow Jesus, but he has a calling on your life. Do you know what that means? And he says, no, I don't. 
And I said, it means that he's separating you to do something special for God. He's like, wow, that's interesting. I said, well, he is. And I said, he's going to come to you and show himself to you. And so I plant the seed of Christ in him, you know, in that moment, because people were waiting right there at the table, our guest speaker, for me to come. But I finished up, and and right before I left, I said, what is your name? He said, Patrick. And I said, Patrick, do you know who St. Patrick is? He said, oh, you know, holiday, you know. And I said, go home and Google St. Patrick. And I looked at him, he had green eyes. And I said, uh, you even have green eyes. I said, you go home and study St. Patrick's life because St. Patrick is an example of what God is wanting you to do. And he's, he thanked me for it. He's a very polite young guy. You know, he thanked me for it, came and checked on us several times during the meal and everything. But I felt in that moment, I felt I was a carrier of the secret place and the Lord was showing me a flap, like in this guy's heart. I pulled it back, and for a few minutes, it rained down the presence of God. But he could feel it. I know by looking at it, he could feel the presence of God, and it was foreign to it. And he's going to get very curious about this thing, and I believe he's going to find the Lord. We need to pray for an increase of flap revelation, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Man, yes. oh man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, flaps everywhere. I mean, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven has drawn near to you, right? It's at hand, if you will. It's drawn near to you. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes. Um, that, that sounds like... Um, it, it sounds like the flaps fit into that category right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, I've been at, you know, the Celts, the fifth century Irish Celts, uh, of which I'm one, they they called it the thin place. And uh, yeah. the thin place were places where you felt closer to heaven than others. And it's interesting, I may have even told you this before, Brian, but they believed there were three places that were thin places, physical uh, places you could go to. The coastal regions or the seashore were one. The mountains were another one. When you go into the mountains, they especially liked walking on the edge of cliffs because it made them feel closer to God. And in hindsight, they probably were closer to God. One little wind, you know, and they'd have been in the presence of God. Uh, so they, they like mountains, but they also like being out on the water in, in, short, in small boats. Mm. And when they're out in the water, they sense the presence and closeness of God. Mm. And one day I was studying this, because I've got about 35 books on the Celts here on my shelf. And I was studying coastal, mountains, water, and I thought, this is where people go on vacation. There's something intuitively in us that is attracted to these places that are closer to God. So we go there on vacation. We come home feeling wonderful, not realizing it wasn't just the place we were. It was the presence. There was a flat there. There's a closeness to God in those places, in those coastal regions, out on the waters and in the mountains. So, so we seek. you seek in your area, where is your thin place? Where's yeah. your cathedral, your county, your, your even like, city? Even like where you live, right? Just w- where to go to spend time with God, maybe, or to read or pray? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, the yeah. secret place for my mom was my my bedroom closet. When I was a little boy, she would hide in my closet. I know it sounds weird in today's terminology, but she'd hide in my closet, close the door, and she'd cry out to God. I could hear her in there. She'd cry out to God. She'd name all of our family. And, and I knew I was familiar with that because my grandmother and my grandfather, who lived in West Virginia. When I'd go down there to visit them, I'd lay in the other room on a little half bed. I'm laying on the half bed, and those walls were as thin as paper. <laughs> and every night about 10 o'clock, they would get down and they would cry. They were they were prayer warriors. They didn't 
They didn't whisper their prayers. They didn't think their prayers. They said them out loud. And they would pray fiercely. And they would bring everyone's. They would go through the family ranks. My uncles, my aunts, they would come down to the little Steve, you know, little that me, little me. And I would listen to them as they would pray for little Steve, Lord, that you'd protect him and you'd keep him strong and you'd call him into your ministry. I mean, I grew up in that. So these, these, every mom and every dad should find their thin place, find a secret place mm. where they can go. And it can be in the woods. It can be in a cave. It could be in your backyard porch. It could be your bedroom. I don't know where it is, mm -hmm. but there's a place where you're going to feel like you hear more of God than other places mm -hmm. and make that place a regular ritual to go there and spend time with the Lord. And you will come out and be rewarded openly. Mm -hmm. Rewarded openly, like Joseph Garlington highlighted the verse. Um, what is it? A day in the courts of the Lord is like a thousand. Uh, yeah. One day in your presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. <laughs> so, like, the question is, like, where do you get that kind of return anywhere else, you know? Uh, nowhere. Nowhere. It's high leverage. Yeah. I, I want to be in a, you know what? I want to be an abiding uh, habitation of the Lord everywhere I go. I want people to feel it when I come in the room. I want them to feel it when I buy my Starbucks. I want, I want casual conversations to turn into soul searching and ultimately to turn into soul winning, you know, and uh, I mean, I've ministered to more Uber drivers than you can count. I mean, uh, and they're from all over the world. It's such a delight to minister and talk with them. And so now I approach, uh, my goal is to, is to crank out a week where I, I feel that I was guided by the spirit of God every day of that week. I've not had that happen yet. I've had days like that. But my goal is to produce a week where I say that week was totally me functioning. Whether I was working or whatever I was doing, I felt the presence of God every day during that week. Mm. Boy, imagine that kind of influence being multiplied throughout the body, you know. What, I know it. What Gideon's army. What they would if you do. can get Gideon's army out there, my goodness, they would turn over. Gideon's army of 300 took out 120,000 Midianites. Yeah. yeah. So, so... 300 to 120,000. What's it going to take for Cleveland? Yeah, Cleveland really. has 2.5 million. So let's multiply that by 25 times. All we need is 7,500 people to take this city. Man, would you pray for us, uh, Pastor Steve? Pray for yeah, Pray on these themes however the Lord leads you. But let's just um, seal this and imprint this, you know, in our uh, in our spirits and our understandings. Yeah, sorry for going so long, by the way. No, I get a this is great. You might have to make this into several shows. This will, this will be two episodes. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel better now. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, let me, I love let it. Let me pray. We just pray right now in the name of Jesus for the very power of God. And the things that I've said, I pray, Lord, that, that this, wherever they are right now, will be a thin place. That in their car, in their living room, wherever they are, they're listening to this right now. Happenstance, not even sure how they got there. They're listening to it. You are here for a reason. This is not by accident. It is by design from heaven from the beginning of time. He predestined this moment to happen in your life. And first of all, I just pray everyone here that does not know Jesus Christ 
or you've been running from him. You've made choices thinking you can do it on your own. You cannot do it on your own. There's a God-shaped vacuum within you. And I call you back to Jesus mm. right now. Jesus, yeah. the testimony Thank of Jesus Lord. is the very spirit of prophecy. I call you back into the kingdom right now. If you do not know Jesus, call out his name right now and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you now, Lord. I pray, Lord, for your spirit to come upon them, that they may be born of the Spirit of God in Jesus' name. And for others who are suffering during this pandemic, Lord God, a lot of decisions and chaos and difficulty and challenge and stress, anxiety, I rebuke anxiety. The Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. And right now, Lord, we cast our cares upon you, Lord Jesus, and we say, Lord, that, that I will dwell in your presence, Lord God. You will be my high tower. You will be my protector, Lord God. You will be my shield. You will be my fortress, Lord God. I hide in you, Lord God. And I bless the people that are listening right now that they will become people of the the refuge of the Lord, of the presence and the secret place of the Lord. And they will come out in power, just like Jesus went into the wilderness driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. But the Bible says, even though he went through a difficult time and was hungry, he came out in the power of the Spirit. And so Lord, we speak right now that people will learn this rhythm Mm. of going into difficulty, but coming out in power. They go in with difficulty, but they come out with power. We bless them right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow, so that like we would welcome that, right? Going in and coming out, and yes, coming out like in a a heightened catalytic state, Pastor Steve. <laughs> you know, catalytic for the kingdom, kingdom catalytic. I don't yes. know. I love it. Thank you so much for this. Thank you for spending time with this. And I, I uh, take any one of these uh, themes and uh, really try to bake it into your to your walk with the Lord through prayer and study, meditation contemplating on it and um it's going to be it's going to be an investment that will that will that will yield return to you and to the kingdom at large thank you pastor steve i appreciate it god bless you and cindy okay all right you have a great day I value Pastor Steve Witt and his work. He's avant-garde. He carries the presence of God. He highly values the present voice of God in us and through us to move the needle. And he moves in integrity. You can check out the show notes page for this episode and learn more about Steve Witt at JesusSmart.com slash Steve. Again, the church that he pastors is BethelCleveland.com. And I encourage you to check out Steve Witt. W-I-T-T, a site designed to equip individuals in their identity, destiny, and legacy. To learn more about this podcast, go to JesusSmart.com. Hey, would you share this with one or two of your friends? I know that you know someone or two or three who need to hear some of what dropped on both of these episodes, 143 and 144. We have an e-letter which goes out periodically, next level elements to develop as a Christ follower and as an apprentice of his kingdom. You can subscribe to this free e-letter at JesusSmart.com. Jesus is brilliant. I encourage you to walk with him and stay with him, and he will make you brilliant in a unique way that only you can express. He knows how life works best. Talk soon.